from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. You know, some of the driving behavior, as I think many of us have observed, became uh, really reckless. Decreasing vehicle speed. You might um, shrink an intersection. Vehicles have gotten larger. I want us to finally pay attention to something that has been plaguing our city, believe it or not, for over 10 years. I think St. Louis County is negligent. The highest speed limit in this country is 85 miles an hour. Why should the car even go that fast? Why do you call it a radical idea? Well, because most people see it as an attack on their freedom. My car, it's a dependent of my freedom. I'm an American. I do what I want. Don't tread on me. My sister's death has to mean something. It has to mean something. If we can't get anything done, then why does she die? I'm Elaine Cha. In the last few weeks, traffic violence has grabbed headlines. But the real story is loss and harm, the irrevocable loss of life and limb experienced by people directly involved in accidents or crashes and those who lose loved ones. So today, we're dedicating the entire hour to street and pedestrian safety, and we'll take up both the problems and the solutions for getting us as a whole region to greater street safety. Later in the hour, we'll talk with Next STL editor Richard Bose. His latest editorial takes up St. Louis's high rate of pedestrian deaths and what needs to be done to make STL's roads safer. We'll also respond to the many questions and comments from you. But first, St. Louis's biggest investment into making its streets safer for pedestrians. Yesterday, Mayor Tashara Jones signed a measure that allocates a total of at least $40 million of American Rescue Plan Act, or ARPA, funds to road and pedestrian safety. The move came 11 days after a teenage athlete in town for a volleyball tournament lost her legs in a crash involving a speeding and reckless driver. It also followed a crash at Forest Park and Grand that left four people dead. Joining me in studio to talk about that new law is Scott Ogilvie, the Complete Streets Program Manager for the City of St. Louis. Scott, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Elaine. Uh, Good afternoon. Now, this has just been signed, this law. How long was it in the making? I mean, it could not have been whipped up in in a matter of several days. And uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely not. So this bill was introduced last year at the Board of Aldermen. Um, and the programs and funding in the bill evolved out of a lot of internal conversations across departments and with elected officials about the types of investments we need to be making to um, maintain our transportation network and to improve safety. Um, and the timing of the bill signing was in some ways just coincidental with Mm. these most recent um, tragedies that have been happening. And the mood at the bill signing event yesterday, I think really reflected, you know, the the heaviness of what's been happening. Um, The mood was somber instead of what I think you would expect with the bill signing, which is, you know, excitement about um, new investments and programming. Um, So these, this investment, these funds, we've been working on this for several months. The bill was signed yesterday, and that allows uh, city staff to 
start work into implementing these investments. Mm-hmm. And who or what informed the the language of the of the law and what is uh, what the money is being allocated toward? Sure. So as you know, um, the city's received a substantial allocation of ARPA funding, and there have been quite a few board bills in the last uh, 18 months or so that have allocated, um, that have made allocations into many new programs. And this bill was focused primarily on uh, city infrastructure um, with a real focus on transportation infrastructure. And so there's, there's really in excess of $40 million of investment in this bill. Um, that investment is based on planning work and studies that were started um, in previous years and were sort of looking for funding to implement them. Um, and it was based on internally us orienting ourselves towards um, figuring out where we have really critical safety needs and allocating funding to to start making improvements in those locations. So as far as critical safety needs goes, what I'm seeing is that uh, $12 million has been allocated for traffic calming measures. What are those exactly and uh, and why? Sure. Well, they'll, you know, they'll depend on the location, of course. The details will depend on the type of street and the location of the project. Traffic calming as a general term just means design strategies primarily to make driver behavior um, safer for all users of the street. And so safer for drivers, safer for pedestrians, anybody not in a vehicle, safer safer for people using a bike. And they're primarily strategies about decreasing vehicle speed, because when you decrease vehicle speed, you reduce the severity and the likelihood of any crash. And allocating space um, to other uses besides vehicular uses. Mm -hmm. And so on an arterial roadway, some of the strategies are going to be different than neighborhood traffic calming. And um, as an example, they're all on the table. Sure. Arterial. Mm-hmm. On an arterial street, you might um, shrink an intersection. You might uh, build a roundabout at an intersection, which has a big crash reduction factor. Um, you might reduce the lane count, mm-hmm. which uh, affects the rate of speed. So those are all strategies. Uh, those are things that will be on the table as these projects get into design. And one of the other things that we're seeing here is that there is money that is committed to improving safety. You said those critical points at the top 10 crash locations in St. Louis. Now, where are those? And had there been any work around them before the introduction of this bill? This yeah, good, good question. So we've done a first pass at assessing where those um, what I'll call hotspot locations are. And there are really quite a few projects that are already up and running and are funded, some of which are even in construction now, um, such as North Jefferson. Um, We've got really significant funding through a partnership with Great Rivers Greenway to completely reconstruct reconstruct North Grand, which is a key hotspot. There are a lot of crashes in the North Kings Highway corridor, and there's funding in this bill uh, that can help address those. And so while this bill represents um, a really significant investment um, from the city in 
I think, a more systematic approach to improving safety. There are many ambitious projects that we've already begun and that we've been working very hard over the last several years to fund and implement. And I think residents are going to see over the next several years uh, a lot of construction and a lot of um, very safety-focused changes uh, to many roadways. Mm -hmm. Now, when you say a complete reconstruction uh, around North Grand, how how does that look? What does that involve? Sure. Um, that project is led by Great Rivers Greenway. It's part of uh, the Brookline Greenway network that GRG is building out. It's done in very close partnership um, with the city. Um, you know, they had a, a very well-attended open house on Tuesday evening about that project. And the Brickline Greenway has been in planning with GRG for a number of years. And it's really the most ambitious, I would say, urban streetscape and bikeway uh, network project that has been attempted in the St. Louis region. So they're taking, um, in some cases, wide streets, such as Market and North Grand, and they're doing really substantial reconstructions that will build a lot of public space, um, a bikeway, but also a linear park, essentially. Um, and a lot of those, a lot of the streets they're working on today have very poor safety records, and I think North Grand um, is very representative of that. Mm -hmm. And when their project is done, they'll have essentially reconstructed the full right-of-way. Um, we'll be converting a lot of what, what is currently roadway space into other types of, of public space, not for vehicles. Um, and I think we're very confident that we'll have huge safety and quality of life uh, benefits for that corridor. Mm -hmm. So if, as you say, the city has been working so hard in years past, why is it that problems have remained the way that they have and possibly even have become worse? Yes. In recent years, I think the evidence is that the safety record has gotten worse. If I can kind of pull the lens back a little bit, um, so we're not just thinking about St. Louis, um, you know, that this the nation's safety network on our roadways was generally improving for many decades. Um, pedestrian fatalities were declining. There was a real inflection point in 2009, though, and pedestrian fatalities across the country have increased um, every year since 2009. And so that's not a blip anymore. It's a real significant trend. And in 2022, pedestrian fatalities will be close, there will be close to twice as many in the United States as there were in 2009. That is caused by a number of factors. Um, in summary, those factors are likely distracted driving driven by cell phones. Mm -hmm. So the iPhone was introduced in 2007, mm -hmm. um, and that's driven a lot of crashes um, and fatal crashes, we believe. Vehicles have gotten larger, um, and we think that's driving a lot of the problem. And those pre-existing problems really accelerated the last few years during the pandemic. Um, when, you know, some of the driving behavior, as I think many of us ha have observed, became uh, really reckless. Mm -hmm. And St. Louis experienced that, and that was a very common experience across the United States. So we've been talking about the, the driver orientation in all of this. Um, is there anything in, uh, in the plan that is going to directly address what drivers uh, need to do better or must do better 
in order to make any of these fixes with road design and infrastructure actually effective? Yeah, the design itself um, can have a strong influence on driver behavior. So design of roadways is a really key factor, but it's not the only factor. Um, there's also, in this plan, there's funding for a comprehensive transportation and mobility plan, something the city has really never embarked on in the past. Mm -hmm. um, and that's going to do a lot of things for us, but I think most importantly, it's going to establish a vision in St. Louis for what our transportation should look like, transportation system should look like in the future. And within that, I think there's going to be lots of opportunities to engage with the public um, and think about ways we provide better driver education and more awareness for the responsibility that drivers have when they're operating vehicles on the roadway that, of course, can, can really hurt and kill uh, the people around them. Mm -hmm. So what is going to make that then? Is when we talk about vision, it sounds like you're dreaming and you don't necessarily see things happening. Um, how, how will people be able to see that there is movement in the right direction, um, whether it has to do with dealing with the drivers or with some of these infrastructural changes that are, um, that are on the board right now? Sure. When I say vision, I, I don't mean dreaming. I mean a roadmap for an improved future and consensus building around what we want our transportation system to look like. Um, you know, we are starting from a point in St. Louis where there has, over decades really, there has not been a sufficient level of investment focused on safety. And I think what you're seeing reflected in this bill and with the funding of a planning effort is a reorientation um, towards a transportation system that better serves all the different types of users um, and different abilities that are using our, our city street network. Um, what will people see? I mean, I, I believe that projects we already have in the pipeline, they're going to see um, really ambitious projects under construction, uh, many of them uh, by the end of this year, 2023. They're going to see the projects funded in this bill under construction over the next couple years, likely starting next year in 2024. And in the future, I think we'll see projects that emerge out of the planning effort um, and strategies to fund those projects and embark on what I think is a mission of continuous improvement to mm -hmm. our local transportation system. So we did mention at the top that this law represents the biggest investment the city of St. Louis has made in road and pedestrian safety. I mean, how big a deal is this? I think it's I think it's really significant. So we have um, not all, but many transportation projects have historically in the city of St. Louis been funded through the ward capital system, um, and that leads to a very fragmented uh, decision making process. Um, it's hard to do, especially big projects, arterial roadways, it's hard to do safety projects on those when they cross um, multiple wards and you're looking for consensus from multiple older people. And this is, I mean this very sincerely, this is it, by no means a criticism of elected officials at all. It is, a, it is a system we've developed that I think we can see is not working as well as we want it to. And so it, within the bill, um, this gives our public works agency, Board of Public Service, and our 
are other departments that are involved in delivering projects. Um, it can put them in the driver's seat, so to speak, in really directing this funding towards locations where we know um, have bad safety records, poor conditions today, or where there has been um, disinvestment in the past. And finally, how will you know whether this law has been a success? Well, I every day, you know, I look around the city and we can see lots of things that we know can be better. And many of those problems are seeking funding to make improvements. So I feel very confident on these corridors, which are identified in the bill, um, that we are going to see meaningful improvements in these corridors. Um, and we are going to learn from those improvements and I think build support over time uh, for a more systematic approach to how we deal with safety and multimodal transportation. And at the end of the day, what we want is we want fewer fatalities, fewer serious injuries. We want fewer of our neighbors suffering the effects of traffic violence. Um, and we want to feel safe and confident when we're using the system. And you've been doing this work with streets and safety each day. Is there a particular tragic incident or a personal experience that drives your work uh, on this, on behalf of the city, and that you're thinking about as, like, if these changes get made, this thing will not happen again? Yeah, you know, there's been some particularly terrible incidents recently. Um, there are grieving families in our city right now, grieving the loss of their loved ones. Um, I'm a parent. I have a six-year-old daughter. Um, you know, I think we all intellectually know that there is risk when you're out riding your bike or walking, but you feel that uh, vulnerability in a visceral way when you are uh, out with a child, especially your own child. Um, and, you know, the feelings I have a parent are feelings I have as a parent are the same feelings every parent has, uh, you know, watching their children sort of go into the world and realizing these risks are out there. Um, so I think that's, that's one motivating factor. Mm -hmm. I also, I will just say, I, I personally love seeing projects get used that we build. There's really joy involved when a new trail gets built and you see a kid skateboarding on it or a family pushing a stroller. And I want those experiences, those quality public space experiences to be available um, in every neighborhood in the city of St. Louis. Well, I'll be hoping with you. Scott Ogilvie is Complete Streets Program Manager for the city of St. Louis. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks a lot. We need to take a quick break, but we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation on street and pedestrian safety. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Welcome back. The term traffic violence has a way of diminishing human involvement and impacts. Traffic captures vehicles, signals, pathways, movement, 
And while violence should bring living beings to mind, it too often comes off as a label or category instead of putting clear focus on people, their experiences, their bodies, their very lives. So as we continue today's discussion of street safety, let's remember that very recent headlines about traffic violence aren't merely about incidents or accidents. They're about people who've been affected permanently by traffic violence in St. Louis and in this region. For Tiffany Stanfield, whose sister Jamika Nye Stanfield was killed by a motorist in 2016, the events of the past two weeks are not a wake-up call, but a reminder of the focus she's had for nearly seven years. Traffic violence has been top of mind since April 12, 2016, which was the day that my sister was killed by a hit-and-run driver. I want us to finally pay attention to something that has been plaguing our city, believe it or not, for over 10 years. If anything, it's gotten worse. After her sister's death, Tiffany started the nonprofit Fighting Hard to raise awareness about hit-and-run driving, provide resources to those affected, and as a way to honor her sister's memory. My sister was a fighter. She was a straight shooter, very assertive. My sister and I had made a decision a long time ago to not be a product of our environment, right? So we were very intentional about our walk with life. She just didn't, she didn't split hairs. And I want people to remember her as the same energy that I have, that I'm pushing for these families. She wouldn't want me to do it any other way. She would not want me to do, she would tell me, keep fighting, keep pushing. Um, For every family that I talk to, for every family that asks for direction or, you know, even if it's just a simple phone number to the Missouri Victims Advocates, for everyone that reaches out and maybe need a grief counselor, that's what gives me my, my hope. That's what gives, that, that means that I know that I'm serving a purpose, right? Because if I'm not the voice in the room that's tying a human life to the data, then who is? Then it's just data. It's just a Gantt chart. It's just a bunch of lines connecting the dots. What does it mean? My sister's death has to mean something. It has to mean something. If we can't get anything done, then why does she die? Tiffany says that Fighting Hard and other groups like TrailNet and the Community Mobility Committee won't give up, and that perseverance gives her hope. She also had this message for people who have also been affected by traffic violence. My heart and my prayers go out to all families that have been impacted by traffic violence uh, as a result of fatalities as well as severe injuries but specifically to our most recent um, individuals who have been impacted. I pray for calmness and I pray for peace for all of those families that are enduring right now. But Fighting Hard has been partnering and working with several organizations throughout the city, and we all have been actively working 
for a solution. So for those that may not be aware of that, just know that there are countless number of individuals that are working behind the scenes for answers, right, who have written a number of letters and who's shining the light on your stories. You may not see it, right, but we're here. So it's just a friendly reminder to all areas, specifically the underserved areas, um, that we're working, right, and we're working um, aggressively to move the needle, right, and to know that 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 work will come to fruition, right, and that's what and that, and I'm hoping that this heightened awareness is going to put this topic, this space in front of the right people that can make some, some strong decisions about enforcement and infrastructure and lighting and uh, tougher penalties, you know. Uh, and then, of course, for organizations that are grassroots, that are on the ground, that are doing the work, that are actually connected to the, the families, you know, give us the funding that we need to continue to push these efforts forward. Resources for those whose lives have been affected by hit and runs can be found at fightinghard.org. And again, that was Tiffany Stanfield, whose sister Jamika Naye Stanfield was killed by a motorist in 2016. Now, we promised today to talk about both problems and solutions. So we've got next STL editor Richard Bose with us. He's written consistently and quite extensively about traffic violence for Next XTL. Richard, welcome to the show. Hi, uh, Elaine. Uh, glad to hear be here and uh, the opportunity to talk about this important issue. So from the audio that we just heard, what stood out to you as someone who has been following and writing about traffic violence for some time. Well, you know, to hear someone's personal story, I, I, I myself didn't have any family members lost to a car wreck crash. I've had some close calls myself. We can get into that. But, um, yeah, these are real people experiencing real trauma out there, and we're not powerless to do something about it. And to that point, uh, we want to hear from you this hour. What solutions would you like to see implemented to curb traffic violence in St. Louis? Call us at 314-382-8255. That's 314-382-TALK. You can also send us an email at talk at stlpr.org. And if you happen to be on the road, please um, navigate that safely uh, as you listen and engage with us. Now, Richard, before you came um, into the studio, we were talking with Scott Ogilvie, the Complete Streets Program Manager for the City of St. Louis. Do you have any thoughts on what we heard from him? Well, uh, I've been tracking the bill that was, the mayor signed yesterday, and uh, you know, there's a lot of excitement among people who would like to see safety prioritized, and finally, some uh, large amount of resources are being put behind that. Um, I'm glad many projects are already well on the way. There's there's a lot more. And also, it's a lot of money, but it's not a lot of money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so let's keep that in mind, too. Um, there's a federal program out now called Saver Streets for All, and I think uh, w- one of the plans that – a plan that it's got some funding from this bill, of course, we're – grateful a lot of it's going to actually end up in our 
physically in our streets is to uh, get ourselves prepared to then apply for more funding from federal grants. Uh, Detroit was already ready, and they got like $25 million this year uh, from this program. So let's hope we can uh, leverage some of that. And, um, you know, we should talk about government at all levels, too. You know, we have a state government that is flush with cash right now and is considering spending a lot of money, too, on transportation. Um, so let's look there, too. Mm-hmm. Well, and one of the things that I had been thinking about in this segment earlier about distracted driving, that is certainly something that uh, has been brought up at the state level. So as far as further legislation goes. Yeah, I, I think it was just a few days ago you had a state or state rep or former state rep who's an insurance industry person, too, talking about uh, distracted driving law. Apparently, you know, we're one of two states that doesn't have one. Mm-hmm. Us and in Montana. <laughs> I, I think it's very clear that phones are having an effect on drivers. Um, so, I, you know, we'll talk about enforcement. Having a law helps some, and, and all these things help some. I mean, there's no silver bullets here, but uh, it's going to take effort at, at all levels mm-hmm. uh, to, to bend this curve that Scott was talking about uh, in, in traffic fatalities. Was there anything among the specifics in um, this new law that stuck out to you as being these are easy fixes that we could have done before. Why is it taken this long right. to get here? What to do is pretty easy. There's been books on, you know, how to build a street where safety is prioritized for a long time. A great one is uh, Walkable City by Jeff Speck. Everybody check out that or look up his talks. Um, why haven't we done it before? Because there's been limited resources and We've been also spread too thin. We have a lot to take care of and um, not as much tax base anymore, especially in the city. As we know, we've lost a lot of population, Mm -hmm. but we still have all these roads to take care of. And for many decades, the priority has been moving a lot of cars quickly. And if if you take a look at this intersection at Grand Forest Park Parkway, you see that that was the priority. That's why there's this bridge that lanes of Forest Park Avenue go under Grand. That's to keep cars moving. Mm But uh, it's not safe. I, I walked up here from along Grand from the Metrolink station, and when you when you get it outside the windshield perspective and walking along the street, you, you, you can see it. Mm-hmm. I mean, even from the behind the windshield perspective, it is very dicey over yeah. there. Um, we have Linda in St. Louis who's calling in with a question that re- we've received from many of you ahead of today's discussion. Linda, you're on St. Louis on the Air. Hello. I am a resident of downtown St. Louis, and I am concerned about not only all of the violence, the gunshots, the car racing and ripping, um, uh, many of these cars are not licensed. Some of them have the temp license that have been expired for some of them as long as two and three years. Some of them are driving even without a plate, which gives them license not to be identified to get so that they go ahead and drive any way they want to drive. They commit whatever laws that are they're breaking without any any uh, recourse. And so I want to know, with all of the agencies that are trying to c- 
create better roadways. What are we doing about the police enforcing traffic laws? Linda called us at 314-382-8255. That's 314-382-TALK. You can also send us an email at talk at stlpr.org. Now, Richard, what Linda's talked about there, how much of a role do expired plates play in curbing reckless driving specifically? Well, I, I mean, the behavior and the lack of plates, it, you know, sometimes it feels like we're losing our you know, civilization, right? People aren't, don't care. The, the expired tip tags, the story behind there is that you pay your sales taxes when you get your plate, but when you acquire the car at the dealership, they don't have the ability to charge you the sales tax. And, you know, this has been a prob- long-known problem, and I, I believe two years ago the Missouri General Assembly passed funding to set up the system to to nip that in the bud. Um, but in, enforcement, I, I fight tough. I, you know, 10 years or nine years ago, we had, uh, you know, Ferguson, Mike, Mike Brown killed in, in the protests. And a lot of what came out of that was how people were being pulled over and caught up in the municipal courts and, you know, the policing per profit. So how do we balance all that turmoil in people's lives with what we're seeing today. Um, you know, and one of my, you know, we have a societal problem. That's what I call the, our toxic relationship with cars, mm-hmm. where, you know, it's my car, it's a dependence of my freedom. I'm an American. I do what I want. Don't tread on me. I'll get this big car. I, I, you know, it's, it's my thing. I, I, can, I can do as I please. Uh, that, we need to address that. It's even in the advertising. I saw an ad from Kia on Twitter where a car is shooting out of a big concrete sewer pipe under a highway overpass. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you selling here, Kia? And we've had a ton of problem with the Kias and Hyundais this past year because someone figured out how to hack them. And I use that term purposefully because if someone hacked a computer system, we would expect whoever's responsible for that or delivering the software to fix it quickly. It took months and months before Kia and Hyundai finally decided that, oh, we can implement a software patch to uh, address this. In the meantime, a lot of crime was committed. A lot of people's lives were interrupted by car theft. I mean, we we know the whole story here. Um, another book out there is called Policing the Road, and it covers the history of how, you know, our country has dealt with traffic enforcement. and It's tough. I... You know, I want to see the. I, I see the someone blow through a white red light, and I, you know, oh man, I want them punished. Mm-hmm. I, but I was almost killed by the police chasing someone a couple uh, months ago. I was crossing the crosswalk at the pageant in the Del Mar Loop, mm-hmm. and the drivers had stopped for me, and I was it started in the crosswalk, and I looked right for the other direction, and then a car went the wrong way, speeding past, and then. I heard the sirens and luckily went the went back towards the sidewalk away. and the cop car went by. So they were attempting to en- So there's enforce. D- danger so, even in the enforcement <laughs> part of it. And we've had some deaths here in, in car chases. Now I know a lot of police policy now is to not chase unless the person is, you know, just committed a felony or some something higher than say a speeding or, or 
a red light. But, right. um, and to the point about you know greater policing, which is the thing that many people sort of think about in terms of these expired tags and mm-hmm. people who are, as you said, like blowing through lights and stop signs. Um, regarding recent calls for greater policing, Forward to Ferguson shared with us that they recommend moving traffic enforcement into the streets department rather than the police department. And they write that, quote, policing is a tool, but not a solution to harm and violence. Um, it is largely limited to using force within an arrest and incarcerate model of public safety that doesn't address the root causes of harm and violence and you know maybe also the root causes of why people don't have up-to-date uh, plates um, and their registration and everything all in order. Uh, Forwardly Ferguson also said if we don't make transit equity a priority for this region as a region we risk more transit violence, widening income inequality and exacerbating environmental racism. Now, at this point, we're going to take a very quick break, but when we come back, um, we're going to continue this conversation with Richard Bose as well as um, incorporating some of the responses that we've had from you. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. Welcome back. We're talking today with Richard Bose, next STL editor, as we discuss the problems and solutions around road and pedestrian safety. Now, before the break, we got a uh, comment in from Forward to Ferguson that had to do with policing and enforcement, you know, who's responsible for what. Um, and there was also a, a discussion about um, cars and sort of the, the culture that exists around cars and drivers. Um, And we got an email from Chris also. And Chris says, I love St. Louis, but driving here is one of the most dangerous things I've done in my life on a regular basis. Um, As Scott mentioned, the proliferation of smartphones in cars is clearly dangerous. And I think he's referring to when Scott Ogilvie was speaking with us. Missouri needs to ban phone usage while driving. I was also shocked to learn that there is no law requiring driver's ed in the state, driver's education. Um, And just today, as I listened to Scott's interview, someone blew through a stop sign right in front of me. Would education prevent that? Also, the police department needs to enforce traffic laws, pure and simple. Without the consequence of tickets, people will not follow the laws. So there's a lot in there. What is it that that strikes you? Well, uh, about the phones again, I mean, there's also regulating car design. Manufacturers have been putting video screens in the dash instead of all the buttons, and it's being shown that Having the tactile buttons is less distracting than, than the screens are. So we, we can't let car manufacturers and the people who are supposed to be regulating them, the federal government, um, off the hook. Um, 
far as temp tags or driving without a license, the, the, the fellow who hit uh, Janae Edmondson downtown, he didn't have a license. He's not supposed to be able to drive a car, yet he can turn the key and make it go. So this may sound pretty radical, but in my article, I suggest the car should verify that you have a valid license. Mm. How is that? It's technically not hard, I don't think. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as um, enforcement, they, somehow the, in 2021, the St. Louis uh, Police Department pulled over, I think, 42,000 people in 2021. So that's 120 a day. So they are pulling out over some people. It's less than, you know, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we should bring back the red light and speed cameras. Now, they can be biased in the sense of where we place them, mm-hmm. but they're a little more objective than the discretion of a police officer. Um, I mean, one of the things that did stand out in mm-hmm. our conversation um, last week about distracted driving law, the lack of one for Missouri State, and in the editorial that you wrote about what had happened with Janae Edmondson, is there's this um, concern about privacy, um, and there's like personal privacy over preservation of, of life. Um what do you think of those arguments, like putting in software to make sure that someone has their their license? Would that be an invasion of privacy? Well, uh, you are using the public roads, and you have a responsibility to all the other drivers to be licensed and behaving within the law. So not being licensed, I would say, is a major violation of the social contract. Uh, you shouldn't be operating a car. So, uh, I mean, to be pragmatic, I said, well, maybe the car could go 10 miles an hour if you don't verify because you got to move the thing okay. somehow. Um, I, I think it sh- shouldn't it be as hard to operate a car with potentially lethal consequences as it is to log into your bank account on your phone? I think that's reasonable. Well, we have <laughs> a call from Mary uh, and... She has something to to ask you. Yes, hello. Yes, Mary, welcome. Yes, thank you. Um, several things. Uh, the last two weeks have just been traumatic, seeing all the accidents, and I won't go through them. We all know them. <clears throat> I, I, won't, I don't think that... Um, Getting your tickets fixed for speeding by lawyers should be allowed. I think people should have to pay the price and that insurance companies have to be regulated to where they won't raise your insurance. Just because you get a ticket, you're paying the punishment or the consequence to the city. Uh, They shouldn't say, oh, okay, we're going to ding you now on your insurance. That's not right. Mm-hmm. So this is still very much on the sort of the individual and the enforcement. One of the questions that does come up then has to do with public transport. So let's not talk just about people and individuals in cars. What about public transportation and more buses? Right. Uh, uh, to much my dismay, I mean, this past year was the time to shine for our transit system, given how expensive cars and gasoline got, and yet our bus system is, is disintegrating because uh, they, they can't get enough drivers and 
and we're you know now we're talking about a Metrolink line ex- extension. It's hard to get excited about that when you know the basics of the bus uh, we can't manage. So you know I'll say we should we need to drive less. We need to have fewer cars. It would save lives and money. But then people say, well, hey, where's the transit? And mm-hmm. it's a tough answer right now. Um, land use comes into this. Um, again, walking up Grand, the buildings are stepped far back from the street. There's no street trees. What does that say to a motorist? Mm-hmm. You know, go fast. Right. Uh, it, it, you know, we've been talking a lot about the city, but a fellow was killed on Lucas Hunt. Exactly. Getting, right. on the, getting off the bus. I wrote an article about that. And I, I think St. Louis County is negligent. I mean, any person looks at this intersection and say this is unsafe for someone to use the bus here yet someone signed off on this professional engineers signed off on this design I don't know if Modot has a hand in it but uh, that's and that's the uh, slices of cheese I got into in my article it takes several things to line up the little holes in the Swiss cheese they right. line up and they and they cause an accident there's several factors but Having a four-lane, 45-mile-an-hour road without a traffic light or a crosswalk with a bus stop, is it, it's no accident. Mm-hmm. That's the point. These are crashes. It's no accident. Right. Well, and I think, you know, the thing that we we should make sure we talk about is about behavioral issues because a, a lot of this comes to that, right? We can do all the things in the world to to fix the streets, but if people are not doing what they they should be doing, and you said public safety, we're using public streets in these private vehicles. I mean, there were a couple of uh, tweets here that we got. Um, Nathaniel tweeted that one solution is mass transit. <laughs> Uh, this kind of behavior, like not stopping at, at stop signs, is baked into driving, and driving creates a unique relation to others and to the world, wherein all else is merely an obstacle. And he says, I feel this happen to myself every time I drive. Uh, Jacob also tweeted, to me, it's not necessary. Uh, it's not necessarily someone going over by five miles, the speed limit, or not using their blinker, although that can be a problem, it's the absolute recklessness that happens at high speed where it's evident the driver does not care for their own life or anyone else's. So Yeah, I I mean, that's what kind of blows my mind about uh, the incident here at, at Grand Forest Park where the driver went to the opposite lanes and went through the red light. Not only does he not care about the safety of others, he didn't for himself or even damaging his car. So what is the mental health issue there? As far as super high speeding, I mean, again, this is going to sound kind of radical, but cars should have speed governors. It's not, no technical problem. How how can any car go more than 100 miles an hour? If you put the pedal to the floor, Uh how can it go more than 100 miles an hour? The highest speed limit in this country is 85 miles an hour. Why should the car even go that fast? And beyond that, with GPS, I mean, automated vehicles know where they are and they know what the speed limit is. Why shouldn't every car be like that? Why do you call it a radical idea? Well, because most people see it as an attack on their freedom, that they can't drive their car how they please. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're on a public street. You have an obligation to everyone else to, you know, operate it safely within, within the law. So... 
And why why is this all you know the, the traffic violence and transportation and infrastructure? Why is this something that has interested you sort of long and well enough to be to be writing about it in you know in your spare time? This is not your full time job. <laughs> no, because uh, I walk the city and I see it. I see people running the red lights. I've had a close calls. I talked about my my personal incident there on Delmar. Um, I also see how focus on serving cars negatively impacts the city as a whole in terms of our tax base. Well, a parking lot doesn't produce as much property taxes as a building. Mm -hmm. It also doesn't provide homes or jobs. And then we have all this infrastructure to take care of that we struggle with. We just... It's related. We have a large sewer system. We are getting hit with huge sewer bills to fix it up, billions of dollars. Well, if we didn't spread out so much, we'd have a smaller sewer system to take care of. So a lot of things that are interconnected. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Interwoven in the way streets are. Yeah. And a part of like the behavior, if 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 you get in a car... What about it tells you you're you're at the helm of something that could be potentially very lethal? There, there's a seatbelt, but maybe if you had to verify your driver's license, it remind you of your obligation to others, or that it is speed governed. That no, you can't do whatever you want with this. So, Richard Bose is an editor for Next XTL. Thank you for joining us today to talk about both the problems and the solutions around road and pedestrian safety and. Uh, like to check in with you again in the future to see what else you are observing. All right, thank you very much. This conversation on traffic violence and the push for safer streets is one of many, and we plan to stay on this topic in the weeks and months to come. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Alex Hoyer is our executive producer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.